So today I will be talking about Gita Amrita Mahodari. Uh, this is a book that was uh, brought out by uh, Sanskrit Academy. Um, uh, it is written by Sri Vishwanatha Shastrihal. Actually, he was um, working in the judiciary department, but he found time to study traditionally also. And the book reveals his vast erudition. He is absolutely conversant with so many texts and smritis and puranas and um, so he quotes everything extensively. That is a very uh, special point about this book. And his main aim is to tell us about how bhakti goes well with Advaita. To realize Brahman the in, in the initial stages, I should say even towards the advanced stage we do need for Chitta Shuddhi and everything, we do need Upasana. And he concentrates on that aspect of um, Advaita, as an aid to Advaita. This work, Gita Amrita Mahodadi, is an elaboration of the idea that Bhakti is well within the purview of Advaita. The book is primarily based on the Advaitic teachings expounded in the Bhagavad Gita that support this view. While elaborating Bhakti, he explicitly emphasizes the Catholicity and oneness among manifestations of Brahman as Shiva and Vishnu. So if he says we should worship Shiva, he will immediately bring some stotras on Vishnu also and Devi also. So he believes that all the uh, Devatas are one and the same. The book is divided into five Ashwasas, Brahmamritam, Pranavamritam, Advaitamritam, Jnanamritam and Yogamritam. Each Ashwasa indicating the means to attain the nectar of immortality. Though there are five chapters, the author clearly acknowledges that Atman is Akhanda. The knowledge relating to it cannot be segregated into compartments. According to the author, this nectar of immortality that exudes from Lord Krishna's mouth as Bhagavad Gita is milked by the Upanishads through the calf Arjuna. The vishaya or content of the book is Atmagnyanam, the Adhikari. To gain this nectar of immortality is the one who is free from the influence of vasanas. The goal is realization of the self. He mentions five types of bhranti or misconceptions and the five ashwasas deal with these. The first brahma that he mentions is the belief that jiva and ishvara are different. The second is that atma is sanghi. The third is the conviction that atma is the doer. The fourth is the notion that atma is subject to change. And the final erroneous belief is that the world that stands apart from Ishwara is real. The realized persons having overcome these misconceptions see their own self in everything and are convinced that anything beyond the realm of the self is not real. This leads to the concept of the changeless consciousness remaining everywhere and this is explained by the author by citing Rasa Krida as an instance. Krishna is seen as consciousness between thought waves represented by the gopis. The presence of Krishna as consciousness remains and a thought arises 
between moments when still consciousness reveals itself the thought wave cannot arise without the presence of consciousness the presence of consciousness is wrongly attributed as the presence of one's thought and the lord's rasa krida reinforces advaitic philosophy through it it is krishna who brings forth many forms through his yoga shakti mayi krishna brings the message of the first ashwasa brahmamritam can be summarized thus the lord as consciousness free from associations is everywhere and is the resort of all beings yo sab sarvagato deva hai chit swarupi niranjana hai द्रवीकृता अमृतरस है आश्रय है प्राणीनाम यह द सटल फॉर्म ऑफ द लॉर्ड शुड बी सॉट बाय द डिवोटी दिस शरणागति तत्व ऑफ मामेकम शरणम व्रज इज एक्सप्लेन इन डिटेल सब्सटैंशिएटेड विथ कोटेशंस फ्रॉम द वेदास एंड मेनी अदर स्क्रिप्चर्स द ऑथर बिलीव्स दैट इट इज ईजियर फॉर द नॉवेस to understand that there is but one god as against the teaching that everything is brahman agnyasya ardha prabuddhasya sarvam brahmeti upadeshah anartho bhavati iti sarvamit eva nasti iti aashayena bhagavan eka eva advayah iti upadishyate the world itself is a manifestation of brahman and this statement is corroborated with many quotations from vedas and upanishads so the wise see the world around them as brahman knowing it to be the effect of maya drishyam mayeti vignaya mahatmanascha surayah sada brahmeva pashyanti paritopi svamatratah the world is like a mirror and all that is reflected there is but a reflection of the original the symbolism this is very interesting um um he the book is interspersed with many vyutpattis he gives for many technical terms that is very interesting and then he makes this um, i should say advaita is very um, hard and difficult to um, uh, uh, learn but he makes it easier by giving many symbolism and by explaining symbolisms for example this the symbolism found in shiva tandava is also explained Uh, it is used to mix, explain maya and uniqueness of brahman the damaruka in shiva's hand is the cause of maya the fingers that touch the damaruka represent kriya shakti that sets maya in motion the sound generated becomes the cause for creation the lord's abhaya mudra denotes the finite and ephemeral nature of the world the continuance of the world is assured through his gnana shakti and the agni in his other hand depicts the final destruction of the world his foot placed on the ground denotes ichha shakti which conceals truth the uplifted foot portrays the grace to be effected through parashakti the deer represents the mind the tiger skin ego consciousness is depicted by ganga and apasmara stands for illusion the emergence of kundalini which is the resurgence of one's atma shakti is expressed in his form of saraswati the different forms of his joyous dance of enlightenment are seen in the pancha in the five sabhas as the gita says 
Agnyanena avritam jnanam tena muhyanti. The Lord indicates with this form that it is foolish to believe in the reality of the world. Led by vasanas acquired in many previous births, man continues in his vain pursuit of happiness in the world. What is the means to get out of this cycle of illusion? If one acquires virtues like mercy, forbearance and performs the right actions with good conduct, he will be turned away from these tendencies and knowledge will dawn on him after Chitta Shuddhi takes place. If the seeker performs actions without ego and sense of doership merely as a witness, then he can overpower his intellect and be endowed with the knowledge that he is beyond the three gunas, desires and pairs of opposites like sorrow and happiness. His actions will cease to bind him with, the result, uh, with, the, with results and he will realize that he is beyond death and the influence of sense organs. Purified in this manner, he will be his natural self. The, the quotation is there for you to go through. This knowledge arises only through constant vichara. Okay, I'll do it fast. Then I'll skip. Yes. The sec I'll go to the second ashwasa. The second ashwasa is pranavamritam. This highlights the importance of pranavamantra as a means of surrender in the attainment of knowledge. The Vedas explicitly explain this through many statements like Om Tat Brahma and all that, which the author quotes. The Bhagavad Gita also lays emphasis on this aspect. She quoted it, Om Mitya Ekaksharam. So, the truth that Brahman is a mere witness and therefore Asangi is explained here by the author in this chapter. He cites Pancha Brahmo Upanishad. He says, Brahman is only a mere witness adorned by the sound of Omkara remaining in his blissful state, drawing everyone in the web of Maya's power. He is not connected to the body or the sense organs and is in no way bound by it. He is subtle and though he is all pervasive, he seems to be within each being. So, the one, leaves, the one who leaves the body meditating on this unbroken form, reciting the pranava, attains liberation. The potency of Gayatri Mantra as an aid to purification of the mind is also elucidated by the author. But it involves many technicalities which can best be explained by a competent guru. The author says that the Lord, when, um, he, when the Lord says, see my form Partha, he instructs Arjuna to see that form of the formless Lord where he pervades as the base of every other conceivable form. Understanding this, Arjuna seeks unison with him who resides in everyone. So the following verse gives the key idea of the second chapter that Gayatri Mantra and Pranava are the sustainers and originators of beings. Where knowledge merges with the mantra, the self becomes effulgent. Jnana Jyotishi Leenam Yati Gayatri Tat Prabhamata Gayatri Pranavascheha Lokanam Pitaraviva The third Ashwasa Advaita Amritam explains that the world is but as illusory as the dream world where birth, death and movement do not exist. The yogi, by virtue of his restraint of the mind, remains unaffected by this due to his conviction that he is Atman. For 
Then he goes on to say, for nothing is worth, worthy of recognition as an object beyond Brahman, which is indeed everything. Maya shines forth as knowledge, knower, and that which is to be known. The enlightened established the one and only Atman in Maya's place. The courageous who delight in the Atman are not tainted by actions and remain in oneness after holding back the thought that the body is Atman. So, as in the Gita, he also says, the author says, the intellect is driven by the mind, the mind is led by the sense organs, the sense organs by objects of pleasure, and the force of desire for them remains strong. The seer, the one who hears, knows, is only one. So, seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, the enlightened one remains unaffected. The author then clearly underlines the path to enlightenment by saying, devotion and meditation are the three, faith, devotion and meditation are the three means to attain this oneness. He emphasizes that the Vedas being vast, its essence can be gleaned from Smritis and Puranas, but they should be learnt as ordained by the Shrutis. Again, there are many aspects of Upasanas and Mantras which have been touched upon by the author, which can be explained only by a Guru. The fourth Ashwasa Nyanamritam elaborates the fact that the knowledge of the one and only Brahman is through the study of Vedas. The author mentions the significance of various mantras and their merger with the light of knowledge. The Gita declares Mataha Param Nanyat, so there is only one. The unfaltering Jnani, the knower of the truth, knows his self and only his self, knowing it in the manner it should be known. It is determined through tapasan swadhyaya. The Gita indicates the importance of sattviki state of intellect. One should practice the removal of likes and dislikes, I and mine in everything. The author shows this through that this can be effected through para puja, conducted through bhavana of the mind. It is very elaborate. He has given many shlokas about how, how each uh, anga of the body should be uh, regarded in meditation. And uh, it is very enlightening also. He says, How will one who has attained knowledge of the self with the conviction that many births are taken in a manner similar to adorning many types of garments, knowing that the Atman is only a witness, non-doer, with qualities like indivisibility, immovable even as efforts to unveil ignorance are taken, constantly meditating on the self, be separated from his self. The author mentions the adoption of nine steps to acquaint, uh, uh, attain equanimity. They are listening to Vedanta, leading the intellect on a path conducive to one's good, remaining steadfast in the path to realization through good company, constant practice, surrendering to a guru, practicing restraint, repeating mantras, seeing the one form of Atman in all beings through detachment and worship of devotees. The key emphasis is on the performance of ordained Nitya and Naimitika Karmas along with the study of Vedas and Vedanta, abandoning the sense of doership. The chapter also throws light on the greatness of Jeevan Muktas. The last chapter, Yogamritam, reiterates the significance of faith and devotion in the practice of Dhyana Yoga. He says, Raja Yoga can be undertaken only by the courageous, for it involves Dharana and Dhyana. Even then, Samadhi is the primary yoga, with other yogas being secondary. 
So listening to Vedas and Vedanta and Abhyasa will nurture advancement in yoga. Bhakti yoga is recommended because of the ease with which it can be followed and samatva can be easily understood through it. So the concept of oneness with the Brahman is not easy to comprehend for the average person, but whether it is karma, bhakti or jnana, all forms of yoga are blissful. The work has many references from Vedas and Upanishads, as I said. He has also quoted extensively from uh, Smriti and Puranas and all that. The author, his erudite, and a major portion of the book is interspersed with mantras of many devatas due to his conviction that the grace of God and Guru can dispel ignorance. He insists that Sarva Dharman Parityaja does not mean the abandonment of Nitya Naimitika Karma. The Samatha towards all beings may be easier to practice. The book presents Bhakti Yoga to someone fairly conversant with Advaita. The teach, he teaches oneness of individuals and oneness of deities. It has free-flowing thoughts that cannot be compartmentalized under different headings. It is lyrical, simple, and gives interesting etymological formations, semantic discussions, and synthetic presentations. I thank Indic Academy and Chinmaya University for giving us this opportunity.